Hello, everybody. I welcome all people around the world for our interims report, quarter three, 2020, here out of Copenhagen. The key highlights what we have. At first, if we compare quarter three, 2020 with quarter three, 2019, we had a continued negative impact from the pandemic, order intake, on order intake, on revenue and EBITDA. And we had a quite strong cash flow in the quarter. But what we saw too is that we had an increase in order intake and EBITDA versus the quarter two this year and quite a stable revenue. And our business improvement program is already completed at the end of this quarter. The market outlook, we see short-term recovery in mining and we see no short to mid-term recovery in cement. The visibility based on the pandemic stays low. The guidance narrowed now to on revenue around 16 billion DKK and on EBITDA 4.5 to 5%. How does the market look like? Let us start with cement. What we see in cement is that customers are on total cash preservation. They are, of course, sensitive to any crisis, to any disturbance in their business, and we have at the moment around the world quite a lot of it. So all non-critical, absolutely uh, only the critical investments happen and the non-critical are all postponed. When we then look into the sites outside China, around 95% of the cement plants are in operation, which is a slight improvement of the 92%. But what is as important is that most of these plants are operating with reduced capacity, which is clear an indication of overcapacity in the market. If we then look into mining, very high production rates, we see that the travel restrictions limit site assess, and we see that our technical service is quite limited to go to customers to help them in productivity improvement. But we see the industry fundamentals in mining quite good. We see quite a good cash flow. We see good commodities on the customers. Close to 100% of the sites are in operations. And the only thing what they don't want to have is at the moment disturbance of producing more based on a good favorable market with the commodity prices, which generates for them quite a lot of profit and cash flow. If we then look into our own operations, around 80% of our employees are back on work site. We see still reduced operational activities in India and travel restrictions are still more or less all over the world. And now with the increasing infection rates, we see actually more and more political comments on more travel restrictions coming back. If we then look to our supply chain, our sub-suppliers, they are similar picture as with our own operations. What we actually got up to with our uh, suppliers in the root cause of the pandemic is that we are significant faster together with our partners to switch suppliers if we have any disruption out of the pandemic. Now to the business improvement program. The business improvement program was started in the quarter three 19, and we said that we need the full year to generate the program. We actually are done at the end of September, at the end of quarter three, which means the run rate at the end of quarter three is the 150 million DKK EBITDA improvement, what we had as a plan for the program. But when you look on the cost side, we had 25 million cost in the quarter three. The total program in total 
uh, created 192 million DKK cost, which is a 12 million cost overrun to that what we actually uh, announced with 180 million. And that has several uh, reasons. One of them is simply the timing issue, what we were faced with in some countries to act properly uh, based on legal regulations there. The program itself included site consolidation, further enhanced logistics setup, and a reduction of uh, workforce of 750 employees, all done as we wanted to do it. Very important in that, we say the non-sustainable cost savings, that means temporarily cost savings, are, for example, like furlough, lower travel costs, are not included in that program. Then, when we look into the pandemic, now we have a little bit more visibility, um, especially in the mid to longer term, how things are developing. We see in cement that the recovery will be not short, more midterm. We see in cement that the talk and the activity on digitalization dramatically increased and is quite positive, but it's not balancing out the lack of business activities in the regular business for cement. And we see, and the discussion and the push for more green cement, which is very positive because that is high-tech what you need. What does it mean with the green cement? It means actually that we see more and more demand from customer side to offer them ideas and technical solutions. And if that drops in what we believe in more governmental regulations, then they will invest into that part of the business, and that new part of the business significant more than we see. But that will hit us not in the short term, not in the next one to two years with all the planning phase. What else do we see? We see actually cement in the midterm as a multi-commodity industry similar like mining. That means that not only limestone as a commodity will be used for producing cement. There is a lot of discussion about clay, there are other secondary tertiary material what can be used in, in that part of the uh, production, which makes out of that single commodity limestone-based cement industry with a relatively low technical entry barrier, a multi-commodity higher technical entry barrier industry. But fact is that cement, contrary to mining, is underperforming and has significant lower market activity. Our operating model, what we implemented in 2018, actually enables us to manage both industries more independent, which means we have mining um, actually on a growth uh, path. If I take our business, the first nine months, we have 11% order intake versus last year, for example, in mining. And at the same time, with cement quite down, we are able to manage both uh, in a different way and what we do. But the combination on the synergies are definitely there. It's not only the technology overlap. It's not only the engineering overlap. It's in the procurement, in the supply chain, in the setup, in the service, what we see. And of course, at the moment, service business in both industries is quite down. But we have quite a leverage out of having a combined go to the customer model in the different countries. Out of that... Yes, we have to do more in cement to avoid further underabsorption. And that is what we already flagged in August. 
with an additional program of 70 million, where we had already 21 million in the quarter three, and 49 million is expected in quarter four to reduce our cost base versus that what we see uh, coming as a business in the near future. At the same time, the focus on getting a clear allocation, value creation in the two industries is clearly what management does. That means what we want to invest in mining, for example, has to come out of the mining performance. What we want to invest in cement has to come out of the cement performance. At the same time, we focus on the leveraging our synergies as much as we can. Out of that, into the guidance. We have a guidance uh, for this year of 15 and a half to 17, and we narrow that down now to around 16 billion uh, DKK. We realize 12.2. The reason to narrow that down lies actually in the development of the October, where we see in Europe, North and South America, increasing infection rates, and you know that we have the strongest month in the year in December, and disruptions in supply, in access to sites, in access to customers, will then, of course, have a direct impact on the revenue, and that is what we have here in the guidance. Out of that, we narrow the guidance on the EBITDA down to 4.5% to 5%, out um, from 45 to 6%, what we had in August. We delivered up to uh, end of September a 4.4%. The total business improvement cost is in the guidance, and that ramps up now to 222 million DKK for the year. Now more into the figures, the order intake. The order intake declined 5% organically, but increased compared to the quarter two. If we look to the left side, you see the split between mining and cement, and in the two industries, the split between service and capital. Let us start with mining. Mining is organically down 2%, 12% in the reported figures. And you see that actually service is the bigger hit when capital is more or less similar business as last year. Then in cement, we are 16% down, 12% organically with a less uh, FX impact, as you can see. Their capital is more or less the same as before, but please don't forget that we had last year already a relatively low capital order intake. Service is 24% down. On the right side, you see since quarter three 2018, the split between service and capital, and the red line shows the revenue. When you look at that, you see that Q2 and Q3 are definitely a step down in the service business to all the development what we had before. That business will come back. It is not the demand side which blocks us. It's not the activity side which blocks us, especially in mining. It is simply the limited assess and willingness of customers to let us on site. And that business is a big part in the aftermarket. We always report it around 25%. And that, of course, creates quite a lot of additional business. When the pandemic, when the restrictions are dropping off, you will see that business rebounding quite quick. Out of that, into the revenue. We had a 68% mining business and a 32% cement business in the quarter three. The EBITDA margin for mining was 9%, which was an improvement versus quarter two, where we had 7.8%. In cement, we were more or less on the same negative level uh, of minus 4.8 versus a minus 4.9 in quarter two. 
the split between capital and uh, service is that we had 38% in capital business and 62% in service business, which is a slightly higher or a higher share of service business in the quarter three. And it comes predominantly out of the weakness in capital business in uh, the mining part. Out of that, to the financial performance to Roland. <clears throat> Thank you, Thomas. And let's have a look at the, uh, the P&L. So our revenue uh, declined in the quarter by 19%, which equates uh, 12% uh, organically. Gross margin percentages uh, declined 0.7%, uh, primarily driven by uh, the cement business. <clears throat> and we ended up with an EBITDA of 177 million uh, compared to 377 million last year. EBITDA margin of uh, 4.6%. Um, and uh, we then end up with a profit for the group of uh, 43 million uh, for the quarter, which is considerably lower than the same quarter last year, but an improvement from the, the smaller loss we saw in uh, Q2. On uh, the number of uh, employees, we have reduced uh, approximately 400, uh, 1,400 uh, people since the same quarter last year, and we uh, uh, have reduced by 560 uh, employees uh, since uh, the previous uh, quarter. If we adjust the EBITDA margin for uh, uh, business improvement cost and uh, other one-offs, then an underlying uh, adjusted EBITDA margin of 6.3% uh, uh, applies. Um, <clears throat> our revenue decreased by 19%, 12% organically. Uh, it's primarily driven by uh, cement as uh, mining was 1% up organically, uh, mining capital 4% up, and uh, the service business were down uh, 13%. Uh, the cement uh, suffered a 56% drop in, uh, in the capital business, uh, as this was severely hit by the pandemic, but also a, 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 a smaller backlog coming into, uh, coming into the year. If we uh, go to uh, the gross, uh, gross profit slide, uh, gross profit uh, declined last year in line with uh, our revenue uh, compared to the uh, same quarter last year. Uh, gross margin percentage is down by 0.7%. And on the right-hand side, we can see this is uh, primarily cement driving that, and cement is negatively impacted by the pandemic, by lower capacity, uh, capacity utilization, and also by... Uh, by one-offs uh, in, uh, in Q3. Mining is uh, largely fat and uh, have a slightly higher capital share in the quarter compared to the same quarter last year. If we look at uh, our SDNA costs, uh, SDNA cost is uh, declining or improving by, by 6%. Uh, as a percentage of revenue, it, it has increased to 16.4% compared to 14.1% uh, at the same quarter last year. In nominal terms, it's uh, declining uh, Q1, Q compared to Q2 this year. And uh, adjusted for business improvement costs, uh, SDNA have improved by 10% uh, and are down to 602 million uh, DKK for, for the quarter. And on the, the next slide, the EBITDA development, <coughs> EBITDA of 177 million for the quarter, up on uh, Q2, and uh, uh, of course, uh, 200 million down on the same quarter last year. If we look at the right-hand side on the bridge, uh, comparing uh, 
uh, this quarter, 2020, with the same quarter last year. Last year we posted a 377 million EBITDA. Uh, decrease in uh, revenue uh, this year, driven by pandemic, also by by lower uh, backlog, uh, equates 214 million uh, decline. We have in the quarter have uh, business improvement cost of 46 million. Then there's a smaller decrease in our gross margin. And uh, this quarter we estimate the pandemic net uh, savings to be 11 million, and that's the net of savings from travel, furloughs, and so on, uh, compensated by uh, by uh, costs to protective gear and lower capacity utilization, and so on. And then a run rate improvement of 65 million to SGNA leads us to uh, 177 uh, million EPISA for uh, for the quarter. Then uh, let's have a look at the working capital. Working capital uh, continues uh, to be uh, reduced. We are now at 10.9% of revenue, and uh, total net working capital is now below uh, 2 billion DKK. Um, this is partly driven by uh, lower activity, but uh, especially driven by uh, uh, steering and initiatives on uh, uh, inventories and also on our trade receivables. Considerable efforts have been uh, made in, in uh, clearing up outstandings with customers, uh, finalizing projects, moving them to uh, final acceptance, and uh, also collecting uh, uh, long, long outstanding receivables. And we have been quite uh, successful with that. Um, that all nets up to a 370 million DKK improvement in networking capital uh, for the quarter of which uh, 61 million is due to uh, currency effects. Now, networking capital is anticipated to increase in uh, Q4. That has to do a little bit with the activity. It has to do with the flow of incoming, outcoming, timing of payments. And we also expect to use our supply chain financing uh, a little less in Q4, primarily due to the fact that cement will be a smaller part of of the total uh, um, uh, activity level in, uh, in Q4. If we then look at the cash flow, uh, slide uh, 15, uh, for continuing activities, EBITDA adjusted was 267 million. And uh, large impact to that is obviously the networking capital, and that's leading to a cash flow from operations of uh, 610 million uh, for the quarter. Obviously, uh, bringing the company to a, a, an improved cash conversion, we need to improve EBITDA uh, as networking capital will not be uh, continuously positive in, in this flow uh, next quarter and also in the time moving forward. So we are uh, pretty much clear on that. On group level, uh, cash flow from operations, 594 million investments of 105 million in line with the the same level as uh, same quarter last year leads to a free cash flow of uh, 489 million for uh, for the quarter. If we then look uh, briefly on our capital structure, this is now well in line with our internal targets and uh, an equity ratio of 40 percent. Uh, our NIBD uh, was reduced. Uh, primarily driven by the reduction in uh, networking capital of uh, 362 million. We improved our leverage ratio by one notch to uh, 1.4x for Q3. 
And uh, net interest-bearing debt is expected to uh, increase in Q4, uh, driven by the increase in, uh, in networking capital. Uh, but we also have to clear the acquisition proceeds for KnowledgeScape in, uh, in uh, Q4. And uh, lastly, then, when calculating the leverage ratio, we're using last 12 months ABDA. And uh, coming out of 2020, we'll have three quarters with a relatively low ABDA. So just the mathematics of that will lead the, the leverage ratio to come up uh, somewhat. And with that, I'll give it over to Thomas again. Yeah, thanks a lot, Roland. So the, um, we talked a lot about, since the Capital Market Day in 19, actually quite intensive, what we do on sustainability. And we see for both industries in a common way a significant inflow of more demand of new technologies to cope with the sustainability targets and to make it actually less emission-driven, both mining and cement. But to do so and to offer that into the industry, you have to have your own house in order too. And uh, we have here uh, kind of a summary of some of the sustainability performance measurements what we have in our company. And this is for the first nine months this year. We are performing again better on the safety with a 1.2 on the TRIR. Yes, of course, um, the pandemic kept a lot of people working from home. But at the same time, where we had assessed, it was significant more tricky to go there and to find the right way to make it happen. So the performance of safety of our organization is outstanding in such a high load and volatile time. Another part, another KPI, what I would like to highlight here is our relative carbon footprint, which dropped from 2.4 to 2.1. And, of course, it's a measurement in uh, tons versus million DKK revenue. We have a significant reduced revenue this year. That means the, two, the step down from 2.4 to 2.1 is actually quite intensive uh, in the whole setup what we have, which is a good performance too. Last but not least is with the supplier assessment. You see that we are far off the target of 800, what we gave ourselves beginning of this year before the pandemic hit us. It's actually nothing else than a reflection of limited site access. And you can imagine we have that not only for our service technicians, we have it actually for our quality in uh, managers too, which then puts uh, more digital systems on the spot to follow up the qualities what we have. And when we then talk about digital and R&D and innovation, this time we uh, come with a patent pending Clay Kelsiner system where we are able, proven, able to reduce around 40% of the CO2 by using uh, a special clay or regular clay in uh, as a commodity into the cement plant with a special system of F.H. Schmidt products single FH mid products, what we build together into a system, and we can offer that actually to roughly 50% of the world and known uh, deposits around the world, which we think is for the future a significant step in the right direction to deliver emission zero approach in 2030. So what is the key message in the Q3? Um, Big thank you in that key message to my organization because our business improvement program, safety I talked about, we have low cases of COVID impact around the world. 
and that all in a time with a lot of uh, headwind. So we finalized that business improvement program a quarter earlier than it was planned for. Our cash focus definitely have, has delivered uh, quite good results uh, on the accounts receivables, on the inventory management. We have a sequential improvement in mining, and mining looks actually as an industry versus all other industries, not only cement, actually as a promising spot. And we see a significant increase digital opportunity and the talk, what we had in the last few years about sustainable solution, get more into real actions. And when sites are opening up, we actually think that this will contribute into our result. On the negative side, it is a negative impact from the pandemic. There is no question mark on it, especially in the aftermarket on the service assess. And we see no short uh, to midterm recovery in the cement part. And that triggers additional right-sizing, what we already started in the quarter three and hope to finalize then in quarter four. Our focus is to navigate the company uh, together with our customers, together with our suppliers, especially with our colleagues through that pandemic. Our cash focus, our cost focus, and our customer focus stays on. And in that, sustainability and emission zero got a significant spin and drive throughout the pandemic, the same like the innovation and the digitalization. On that note, the knowledge scape acquisition, what we flagged before, was done at the end of October. And as Roland said, the, the impact on the, the cash will come in the fourth quarter. And this pandemic clearly shows that standardization and modularization investments, what we do, and go on to do is very important for a good performance in any crisis year. Out of that, the key highlights, continued negative impact from the pandemic, more positive outlook for mining than cement, strong cash flow, order intake and EBITDA improved versus quarter two 2020, and we narrowed the guidance. With that, I would like to open up for the Q&A. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have questions for the speaker, please press zero 01 on your telephone keypad and you'll enter in your queue. After you are announced, please ask your question. Please hold until we have the first question. The first question we have is from Mr. Magnus Cooper from UBS. The floor is yours. Hi, Thomas Roland, Magnus here with, with UBS. And, um, first, could you talk a bit about the backlog cross margins you have uh, at, at the moment in, in cement and mining, uh, respectively, compared to what you delivered uh, underlying in, in Q3? Yes. Hey, Magnus. Um, the, we don't see a change of the cross margin in uh, what goes into the order backlog, not in cement, not in mining. It's the same development as we had it before. Perfect. That's very useful. And then also I wanted to ask you about uh, the use of play instead of clinker in the cement process. I mean, 40% reduction is, is clearly meaningful. And I think uh, Lafarge Holmes also discussed this on their Q3 results. Uh, could you comment a bit on what it takes in terms of investment for an average cement plant uh, to produce cement with this new technology? And yeah. what opportunity does it give you so on a monetary basis, so to speak? Yeah, I, uh, uh, this is a very good question because it's a technical one. Um, I try to make it very short. Um, it is really based on the plant what you have. 
Um, in some plants, we actually have already some installations in, and some others we really have to build completely new. What we see, uh, the customers who are mostly interested, they actually get it completely new. The investment level of such an installation, I, ca I can't share that, but it's a bigger, a bigger part. This is not to do with one or two or three million euro, to make that clear. It's a bigger investment. It's a new process line, what you build up there. And of course, with all the infrastructure around, uh, going then into the packing plant, coming out of the material what you deliver. So it's actually a bigger investment and in, um, yeah, you can say in the scope of a smaller uh, full cement line, if the tonnage what is expected out of that uh, production is high enough. Okay, so it's sort of uh, comparable in terms of capex versus a normal plant, so Yes, yes, you can say that. If you put uh, more digitalization and, uh, um, yeah, especially digitalization on it, it actually can go up, but then you have a higher tonnage to produce and you can manage more different kind of clay and variances in the clay quality. I, without getting too, uh, too, too technical, but clay has normally alumina in it, like if you take kaolinit, uh, that's the English word, uh, that is in uh, uh, aluminium, silica, oxidant, hydrate, what you have, and that one, of course, requests a different setup than a simple uh, calcium carbonate. So you have simply more elements in the clay, and then you have to take care more of it, which makes a smaller plant actually a little bit heavier on the investment side. Okay, that's very useful. Actually, even more, I think, you, did you mention that some plants are already able to, to, to do this, more modern technology? There are other systems and other materials, other commodities, what you can use to replace um, limestone. And with that, you would reduce the CO2. Could be secondary or tertiary material, like fly ash, tertiary material, or kind of recycling material as a secondary material. And there we have then by material to look, can we put it through the normal cement process, or do we need a special calciner or anything else to install with all the infrastructure around? Got it. And, and just the final one on that. Did you say that you could offer this product to 60% of the world already? But just... the, when we look around the world, how many deposits are theoretically available? Then we see actually for some types like the kaolinit, ilnit, as well as mectit clay, um, quite a lot of deposits around the site. But we have to look, of course, together with our customers, if they would get assessed to these sites and what the clear quality of each of these sites is. Because clay um, has, in difference to limestone, a significant more complex chemical setup and structure. And that, of course, makes it more difficult to produce cement out of it, which we like to hear because then you need more competence to do so. That sounds very promising. Thank you so much for that. Thank you, Magnus. Thank you very much. Next, we have Mr. Arthur from Credit Suisse. The floor is yours. Uh, good, good afternoon, Dr. Arthur from Credit Suisse. Thank you for taking my question. My first question is around your guidance. Could you maybe talk um, talk about the reasons for uh, reducing it to the lower end of your initial um, 
Um, the lowering of the guidance actually comes out of the October. We see in the October a, a significant raise of infection rates. In Europe, we see that in US, and we see it now coming at the end of October, beginning of November in Latin America too. We hear the reactions out of the governments in the different areas, and we had to calculate in uh, restrictions, in further restrictions and more restrictions to assess sites and to supply in. Um, as everyone knows, our quarter four is our strongest quarter in the year, normally, in a non-pandemic year, by far. And especially the December is the strongest revenue quarter in the year, uh, revenue month in the year. Any disruption of that will lower our possibility to generate revenue. It will not disappear. It will then go over into next year and so on. But in that quarter, we will then have an issue to perform better uh, or as normal with the fourth quarter as we normally would do without a pandemic. And that is calculated in, which means we narrowed the 15.5 to 17 to around um, 16 billion uh, DKK. We don't see any cancellation in orders related with the pandemic or these things out of the normal at all at the moment. This is a pure a scenario technique what we use to forecast how that quarter will go and that is what we reflected in the risk. Out of that with the revenue automatically we have then the uh, EBITDA guidance down to four and a half to five percent. Now to the backlog maturity. <coughs> yeah so I think uh, this, this all uh, this all stacks, stacks up to the fact that things takes a little bit longer it's a little bit more complex so at least the margins will not be be improved. Uh, what we will see in Q4 is that uh, our EBIT program starts to uh, starts to have have impact, and also we hope for a slightly higher share of, of the service uh, business, and that will uh, that will under certain uh, circumstances bring us into to uh, to the higher end of the guidance. Uh, okay, thank you very much. And actually, my second question um, is basically flows nicely from what you touched on the margin improvement, lack of margin improvement in Q4. Could you maybe talk a little bit about how you think about retention of the cost savings which you uh, managed to achieve and plan to achieve, and specifically for 2021, because your adjusted margins are much lower than what consensus is currently expecting for coming years? Yeah, so what do we think about uh, our cost savings? So, so we have identified the, the improvement program, right? And that has sustainable uh, cost savings uh, included. We have uh, uh, consolidated sites and we have uh, right-sized the, uh, the organization. So there will be some, some firm steering on, uh, on keeping that uh, on the right level. And also the site consolidation will, uh, by its nature, uh, kick off uh, efficiencies and, and savings. So that's the way we're gonna we're gonna steer it, and then we expect uh, as and when hopefully the especially the mining uh, industry will start growing again that there will be uh, oper operating leverage, but there's a lot of uncertainty uh, on when that this will clear up, and the complexity and things take longer in both executing the backlog but also book to bill, 
just means that there's no uh, immediate margin pickup or operating leverage until that starts uh, uh, lifting. Okay, but maybe just to check on this, in terms of the revenue decrease which you are seeing, uh, could you give any color on how much of that is driven by pricing? The revenue decrease by pricing, no. That has nothing to do with the pricing. This is a completely different thing. It's purely, it's not the customer, not the supplier, not us. It's actually the in-between to get goods from A to B. That is, that is the thing where we are concerned about based on that what was announced um, as political reaction on the significantly increasing infection rates. We know that the governments are more mature, but when you look to the infection rates and what is expected now to come based on that, it's quite, um, quite concerning in the Europe area, in North America, and in South America. All three areas are, of course, by far the largest part of our business. And that is what we had to reflect in the revenue guidance. Okay, thank you. And my last question is around the services business. In uh, cement and mining separately, could you maybe talk a little bit about the exit run rates, which you've seen um, in terms of the orders uh, um, uh, compared to the growth rate you saw in Q3? Thank you very much. So uh, it was a little bit difficult to understand the question, but if it comes to service, then the following. What we have roughly, a quarter of our business is technical service, where our local or international service technicians go to the site and working with the customer to improve the productivity on the site. That is our main contribution into, into the industry, cement as well as mining. In that, it's not only that we sell then the hours or a complete group of service people over a long period of time. In that root cause, of course, we sell upgrades, retrofits, wear parts, spare parts, actually the whole offering, what we have in aftermarket, partly into capital business too. At the moment in cement, they defer everything, what they can, what is not absolutely necessary because they are cash constrained. They are very nervous about their local market, and before they invest anything, they have to see that their market gets less critical. On the mine side, it is a different thing. They produce very high rates. They do everything to produce more, and they, at first, limit the assess to the side, and second, don't want to have disturbance. Everyone who knows mining industry very well is, as longer that situation goes, as by far more aftermarket business will come later to keep the plant in operation. So it's a pure matter of time when that business drops in back and we are back on the old track to grow the aftermarket business. So we are actually, especially if it comes to mining, quite positive on the service outlook. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Next, we have Ms. Farley from Carnegie Investment Bank. The floor is yours. Hello? Oh, hi, sorry. This is Farley from Carnegie. Um, so a few, a few questions on my side. The first question is relating to a potential effect from the EU Green Deal. Um, do you see this or potentially a new, more environmentally friendly president as a lifeline to your human business? Very good question. And I was asked uh, today by media quite a lot about that. Um, of course, any political direction into green supports our mission zero and, of course, our business fundamentals. That's clear. 
Um, why, do, why can we say that? We need our customers as well as us. We need clarification about the regulation, what is demanded in the different jurisdictions, means in the different countries or states. If that is clear, then customers can decide which kind of technology they would like to go for. What we hear a lot in the mining industry is we are very much, I take tailing systems where we are quite leading. We, uh, customers say we would like to have that new tailing system and we can do this and that and that, but we don't know what the, uh, the requirement of the, uh, the country is where we have the mining operation in. So make it as flexible as possible, which at the end of the day delivers more and more discussion rounds with the customers before a decision can be taken. In cement, it is really not only the CO2. There is actually quite a lot of focus on SOX and NOX and quite a lot on particles, on simply particles in the air. And there the regulations are missing in quite a lot of countries to get tougher, stronger, as our customers predict. And if that is clarified, it will give definitely, like we had with the NASHAP years ago in America, quite a push on the cement part to make uh, further investments to fulfill these regulations. So any political uh, vote for uh, country leaders in democracies or non-democracies, more green, of course, will support our mission zero and with that, of course, the fundamentals for our business. All right, thank you. Um, then second, if we are to see further COVID-19 restrictions, um, do you see that as a trigger for further cost savings or do you expect to just stand by and wait? Very good question again. We actually had the business improvement program out of the non-good performance of us in last year with the profit warning, to make that clear. That was the, the birthday of that business improvement program. Then we extended it with the pandemic impact. The very good thing in that with my organization is they actually over-delivered in such a difficult time, which I think is giving, from my point of view, is a lot of respect what we have to show here. But what we saw in cement, different than in mining, that we have with an already low pipeline going into the pandemic and now a lower one and lower activity level uh, in the pandemic in cement, that additional manage, uh, measurements to avoid underabsorption in the, in the quarters to come have to be taken. And that is what we flagged in August with a program of 70 million. Let's assume that it goes on as, it, as we see it at the moment, then further um, special programs we don't see to, to come. If it would deteriorate dramatically, then of course we will react on that. And we can. We can. You know that in a cyclical industry, you have to have the flexibility to ramp up fast if business comes back and to ramp up down if business goes away. And we can do that in both directions. We are well prepared for that. That the ramp down this year took longer than we normally would, uh, would need was purely out of the legal regulations in countries like Italy, South Africa, India, and so on, where we were not allowed to reduce our cost base for quite a while in the year. But if we need, we do, in both directions. We can have more people to make more business happen, or less people if we don't see enough business in front of us. All right, thank you. Um, then third, if you don't mind, so there has been some rumors that you would potentially acquire parts of Susan Cripps. 
Um, do you have a, a timeline of a decision in this regard? And can you explain something about that? Yeah, it's, it's actually more than a rumor because uh, there was out of Germany, our company name was uh, listed too as an interested party in cement and in mining. We can't say more to the timeline and so on. You actually have to ask ThyssenKrupp for that. Generally, what I can say with M&A is we've, we said that before, that in a crisis and then towards an end of a crisis, it's always a good time to look around uh, for unorganic growth, means M&A. We are a company who, are, who is only interested in non-hostile M&A because we are interested in the competence. And there, I'm. when we would do that, of course, for us, important is that we have uh, a better customer offering performance. And very important, this is actually the main key, that we create a positive shareholder return on it. If we don't see a positive shareholder return, then we will not do it, no matter how much media talks about it. I have to be very, very clear on that. All right. Thank you. That's all I have. Thank you. Thank you very much. Next, we have Mr. Michael from SCB. Please go ahead with your question. Hi, thank you for taking my question. My first is regarding the mining orders. If you can talk a little about like, the sequential improvement from Q2 going to Q3, is this driven by timing or a general improvement in the market? Yes. Um, I think the, the quarter two was a shockwave through the industry. People were paralyzed. No matter that the fundamentals in mining are quite good. Um, it was simply, they were working with how can I protect my site. And that, of course, uh, postponed a lot of decisions. What we see is we have a very healthy pipeline in mining. It's actually looking good. There's no other, other word to say. What we see, too, is that in quarter three, there were more decisions taken on smaller equipment, which we think is good too. Needed investments. There's more to come if they would like to keep that pro these production rates up and if they would start or ongoing to reduce their own or to improve their own productivity. What we don't see is a movement on the large projects. And that has to do that at the moment they are completely focused on delivering as much as to produce as much as possible. Some of them only work with a third of their own colleagues on site to reduce the risk. So they are completely focused on that. If the COVID gets um, less as an impact, if the site assess is more back to the normal, not 100%, but more back to the normal, and if it gets a more normal way of working with the pandemic, then the boards and the top managements on the miners will go on to decide for all these um, feasibility, and engineering orders and so on, what we have to go into the bigger projects. We are quite confident about that because it's needed to keep that mining industry up and running and the time for mining is quite good when you look into the commodity prices. Okay, thank you. And my second question is, if you look at Q4, you're talking about this, uh, not a lot of movement, uh, movements on the la larger projects, uh, but do you see it likely as the decisions are made in Q4, or is it more like a 2021 story? Uh, as a reference, uh, Metro Autotech, uh, they talked a lot about large orders that was uh, soon to be signed and that was likely to be in Q4, so I was just trying to get an idea of how you see the, the development of the larger orders, if it's or it's 2021? Yeah, that, difficult to say because the decision on um, 
uh, large projects are uh, quite often then in the boardroom, and that uh, that could be then on a day that it happens or that it gets postponed to the next board meeting, which is then in a quarter. Uh, I give an example. We uh, enjoyed uh, several large orders at the beginning of the year, but we actually believed we would get them in the mid of 19, in the second half, beginning of the second half 19. And it was postponed out of board meetings. So it's very difficult to predict. Fact is, they will come. We are, of course, very happy if we get them in quarter four, but I, I, I would not go that far out to say they come or they don't come. It's very difficult to predict. And you can imagine, this is an industry where 30 large customers actually cover quite a lot of it. So we talk with each and every one individual. So uh, we get the clear feedback. It's not guessing. They don't know themselves quite a lot. Okay, thank you. Okay, uh, thank you. And then um, a final question. Uh, you mentioned that you got a medium-sized uh, project order in cement. Uh, can you comment on the size of that? Is it like between 100 and 200 million or...? The medium size, uh, it's more capital orders, pumps, uh, crushers, screens, single equipment, which is normally not in the range of 100 million. It's definitely lower, but a bigger amount, which is quite good to see. Uh, what we see too is there is, in, for some of the customers, especially if it comes to sustainability-related issues like tailings management, um, activity levels, where we have, of course, uh, quite everything in-house, no matter if it's the conveying system, the pumps, uh, the, the filter technology, no matter what it is, we can offer everything out of in-house. And that, of course, gives us quite a strong market position. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Next, we have Mr. Charles from Nordia. Please go ahead, sir. I guess that's me. So this is uh, Charles Emma from Nordia. I have a few questions regarding the backlog. First of all, Thomas, did you say you didn't see any cancellations in the backlog, or did you see any major cancellations? I'm a bit confused about that. Yeah. Be the first the, one. You know, Klaus, um, you, we always have a little bit here and there. That's normal, normal in the business. But we had no major cancellation in the backlog. Okay. The effect, maybe Klaus, uh, Klaus, maybe the reason why you are lit, uh, uh, why it's a little bit difficult to see is, of course, there is an F FX effect in the backlog, and it's quite a big one. Sure. Looking at the percentage of the backlog to be delivered in 2020, uh, when you try to do the math, uh, can you maybe provide a bridge from how much of the backlog you saw? Uh, after Q2, that would be recognized as revenue this year, and now probably would be, be delayed until 2021. What, what is that movement? Oh, that, that, that detail we, we, we can't do. This, the percentage you see there, the 21%, that's our, that's our best estimate for now under given assumptions on the, on the COVID uh, development. And that is, that is uh, reduced compared to our first guidance, so to speak. Because I'm trying to calculate the in and out orders, and if you don't, you know, know so much has been pushed out to 2021, if you just assume that it's unchanged, then you know, in and out orders have been, been rather weak in, in the course. So maybe you could provide some some uh, details about the, the, the timing of, of orders when that will convert to, to, to revenue. So what you can what you can assume that uh, that about five percent. 
You know, we're saying 21% of that is, is delivered in Q4, right? We can assume that 5% is reduced number. It's reduced by 5%. Okay. Okay, that, that, that's helpful. And then uh, also coming back to your assumption for, for the guidance, what scenario have you actually embedded in the guidance? Do you see a repeat of what happened back in March and April, or is there up or downside to it, all depending on how COVID-19 uh, trends in, in, in this couple of, of, of months? Yeah, I, I knew that you will ask that. Um, and uh, we tr I tried to make it as short as possible. What we calculate in, in a scenario technique are all possible models. And we have that in a formula, and with that, you actually cre uh, calculate permanently the worst case and the best case. And then you look that it narrows, that the worst to the best case narrows, and then you take the middle line, that's the likely. So that's the uh, scenario technique what we use. And um, when we looked into uh, what happened in October, we see um, in Europe significant increase in infection rates. And we know that the others will follow, and already we see that they start to follow in the Americas. Both uh, ENA as well as, uh, to a large extent, as well as um, North and South America are a big part of our business. If we would take exactly the same measurement relatively to the infection rates, there would be most likely no business happening in November and December. That is not what we see. We see actually a significant better um, behavior of the different governments in, around the world. And we see that the, the lockdowns, despite double, triple higher um, uh, infection rates, uh, that they will not be as traumatic and in panic as we saw in, um, uh, in April and in May. So what we look into um, the quarter four is in that conservative approach with that what we have to have based on that what we learned out of the COVID in October is more or less a similar level as in Q3, to make it like that on the revenue side. As you know, Klaus, normally the quarter four is our strongest quarter and quarter three is our second weakest. So then you, then you see the impact on the guidance what we have. Okay, that, that, that makes sense. Then just my final question, and that goes to the cement division. Uh, so now you talk about the, the whole potential from, from, from converting to, to clay, but still you, you are keeping or you are actually highlighting maybe a more a negative a short to midterm outlook for that division. So can you try to provide you know, some color to the discussions you are having with, with cement uh, plant owners? Do they you know, listen to you, or do you think that this will, will be a long and hard work uh, until they understand uh, the, the, the potential from your, your, your technologies? A very good question, because um, what you see is, and now I only talk about the uh, limestone-based regular, as we call it, regular cement business. What we know for 140 years, we see that uh, going into the pandemic was already low and weak, not only with us, the whole supply industry doesn't look pretty at all. And then in the pandemic, it got a step down. And we don't see that this will recover in the short term. That means in the next one to two years. Why can we say that? Because we talk with the customers, what they think, what they invest, and what they wanted to invest. And all the pipeline gets postponed and quite a long time postponed. Because they say, I'm, I'm not sure 
how they handle with the pandemic when we have, if vaccination comes, it will hit into my country. So all the additional line or refurbishment, what we want to do, we postpone. It will come, but I can't tell you when. In mining, they tell us next quarter, quarter, in quarter two quarters. In cement, it really goes, goes without the timing in, information. Then we have the other part of the industry, which is very, very tiny and which is mainly demanded by media and politicians and NGOs, and now starting to get demanded and discussed by the cement associations, like the European Cement Association, which came out a few months ago and saying we have a, a mission zero target for 2050 with, our, with their clients. And there we see that, that the cement industry sees we need to do something. We make 8% of the world CO2. They will not allow that in the future. We have to do something. So they start now to look into new technologies, pilot plants, sending in people for training, and so on. When you then take that until it comes to a decision to order something, that will take a while. And then when the decision to order something comes, then uh, quotations have to be made, and so on. So we don't see a green business hitting us in a significant part before one to two years. That is not what we see. So we have on one side the regular business down in a kind of a valley of trough, and the green business takes longer time until it comes. And that is exactly the spot we are in, and that is the reason why we took these tough measurements on an additional program. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, thank you so much, Thomas. Uh, thank you, Klaus. Thank you very much. Next, we have Mr. Robert from Morgan Stanley. Oh, yes. Robert. Thank you. Um, I have a couple of questions. Uh, the first one was just around cement. I guess obviously you've had a couple of quarters of uh, negative uh, profit development. Just wondered how you are sort of thinking about what you can do, I guess, in the current depressed demand environment to improve profitability there um, and just sort of, I guess, the timeline that you're thinking about in terms of uh, returning that business back into the like. would be my first question. Yes. Um, at first, that comment. Uh, this is not good that we have a negative business now the second quarter in cement. That is really not good. And you see that with the measurements and that we have 1,400 people out. Uh, more than 50% related with the cement business in the company, and that we clearly say that we have uh, a capital allocation, that we manage them more independently, is a clear signal into that too, and that we take additional measurements. Um, what we can say is, since I'm here, we had several rounds where the cement business went down based on profitability. In these days, the pricing pressure, which was traumatic, and we always recovered the profitability out of own activities. The market didn't help us, to make that fairly clear. The market didn't help us. And we see that uh, in the future too. The market will not help us. We delivered last year close to 6% EBITDA. For this year, we planned actually to be in the range of 7% EBITDA. And we have a target uh, long-term 7 to 8% EBITDA. So we were actually on a good run. So we have to take, and that is what we or we had to, yeah, we had to take initiatives to make our profitability internally up. And that's a pure internal thing. You see that with 1,400 people out, the business improvement, and so on. To make a long story short, our intention is, of course, to get as quick as possible profitable on the bottom line again. 
the demand uh, or the, the workload, what the organization does to realize that is fantastic. And we have to deliver that alone for the organization. We are a well performer in the cement industry. We are not stopping to invest in R&D. We are not stopping to invest in sustainability and digitalization. But we have to get profitable on, on the bottom line. And we work on it to get that as quick as possible realized. So we don't think about a negative result for next year, to make it like that. Okay, understood. Um, and then my, my other question is just um, sort of following up on one of the early ones, really, just around some of the uh, volatility on the mining OE side. Obviously, the last three quarters, it's um, been quite volatile. As you said, you had the big orders in the first quarter, very difficult 2Q, and then a kind of more normal 3Q. Going forward, I guess, what, what is your sort of working assumption internally of what to expect in 2021? Are you expecting a kind of more back-end loaded year with COVID sort of dragging in the first six months and then orders kind of catching up? Are you, are you expecting a kind of more smoother activity now, things are, you know, kind of, I guess, a bit more normalized government, as you said, a little more sort of settled down into their working routine? What, what are you expecting in terms of volatility around the mining going through, uh, through next year? Thank you. Yes, um, of course we don't guide on 2021, but what we can say is um, we normally have a, uh, the weakest quarter, quarter one, then a strong quarter two, a weaker quarter three versus quarter two, and a very strong quarter four. And mining is a little bit in that spot because it already makes more than 60% of our business. And um, if we look into next year, yes, the main thing is really the COVID, how that is handled. How that is handled? How is that working? Is a vaccination coming? Yes or no? Where is it coming? And that makes, of course, next year more difficult to predict. But generally, based on the sentiment, what we hear from customers is that a lot of delivery, a lot of activity will be more in the second half of the year than in the first half of the year. Because the, if you have a mindset or several mindsets in different countries, to bring them back to normal if COVID is out or pandemic is better under control takes a while. Takes a while. So their prime target is to step up the sites, to get the aftermarket done so that their production rates are staying on. And on the last thing is, are then the big investment decisions. So we think the next year will be more year-end loaded than first half loaded, which is different to this year where we had a better start because there was no pandemic of the year versus the second half. Thank you. And then my, my final question is just really around sort of a follow-on, I guess, on COVID and site access disruption and, and those um, sort of things. I guess, what, what are you doing to tackle that issue of not being able to access site around field services, not having the sales engineers on the ground that can maybe generate some DOE sales that you would have done uh, before? Is that just something that you're just going to have to ride out and make the best of until it gets better? or are you actually gaining any traction through, uh, you know, Zoom or remote meetings or having people virtually go around the site? And, uh, what, are you, what are you doing there to adapt to the new way of working? Yes, it's actually it's, um, multiple things what we do. At first, we are so happy mm -hmm. that we had the reorg in the middle of 18, where we uh, created seven regions with local organizations. If we would not have that, if we would be still a more global direct company, we would have a huge problem bigger problem than we have today, definitely. So that helps. Mm -hmm. Second, we see, uh, we actually saw the demand level before the pandemic out of the cement industry for remote control solutions, digital solutions. Uh, 
higher than in mining. That is now equal. We see quite a lot of push from mining too to have more remote control and remote support. We have 24-7 support. We have hundreds of sites which are controlled over us digital in mining as well as in, in cement and in mining. Still cement is bigger in that. And we, the few people what we can send, of course, we have in some cases they are in quarantine before and after. They go with digital equipment in. We install cameras. The customer is doing it. We have a significant more intensified contact, digital contact with customers. I give an example. We had several thousands of customers participating in online training courses during the high time of the pandemic. Because the people had the time, they were sitting at home, and their bosses said, then join these online training courses of F.H. Schmidt in mining as well as in cement. And we go on to do that. The service technicians we are, which, are not can, which cannot travel around, they are on the digital systems to help customers through the digital system to go on with the production. And with that, we generate business today, not as much as we see in the service figures, but of course preparing the future. And not to forget, if you are in such a time, you have more engineering uh, competence and expert competence available. And with that, of course, we look into and we work on special R&D things what, uh, and standardization, modularization. You saw that in our business improvement program, the site consolidation was a part of what we do as well as logistic setup to improve. And there you need quite a lot of man hours from your own organization into it. We have that available and we use the time. We actually think that we utilize the time quite well. That's great. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Next, we have Mr. Nick Houston from RBC Capital Markets. The floor is yours. Yes. Hi, everyone. Um, in Q2, one of the problems that you mentioned was that local regulations in markets like India made it difficult to reduce headcount, uh, even for employees, including consultants and contractors. I was just wondering if you could provide us an update on how that situation is developing. That changed in the root cause of the quarter three. It started actually as we had in quarter three, as we had it in quarter two, but in quarter three, it, um, yeah, if I can call it, improved. And it was not only India. India we took as a quite uh, as an example because the Indian government, of course, took measurements to keep people employed and uh, um, not falling into panic, as they uh, called it and order then companies um, to, to go on to pay for own employees as well as, which is clear, as well as for contractors, which was unique, and had a ban on layoff. Other countries did similar things like Italy, Peru, South Africa. There are some smaller ones too. And we guess there are more countries, but these are, of course, places where we have quite a lot of people employed. Okay, thanks very much. Um, my second question, um, I see in your report you, uh, you say that you have managed to reduce your number of suppliers over the past few years from over 5,000 to around 1,500 now. Um, I was wondering how much of this has happened, say, in the past year or so, and how much more can we expect to come in the coming years? Yeah, we... Um, it's actually a gradual improvement. It started actually with a slow pace until the picture was there, and that is already seven years ago, six years ago, 
And then it got quite a lot of speed three, four years ago when we had the systems more up and running because it's not only to decrease the amount of subsupplies. We replace with or we, we take one out of five or ten or two and they get then regular something and then we implement digital systems, more personal contact, how we control, how we work together, uh, payment conditions and so on. So it's actually, uh, it started six, seven years ago with a slow pace and it got quite a speed three, four years ago. And now what we see is working more and more the cases through, but the big improvements you will not see any longer. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Next, we have Mr. Yubi Wasli from Society General. The floor is yours. Hi, this is BBC Chan. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, I just had a couple of follow-up questions. Uh, uh, one of your peers uh, were flying this morning an improvement in the situation, particularly to the mine access. <laughs> so just wanted to check if you are seeing kind of some development uh, with uh, the mine access getting better towards uh, end of September or going into October as well. Yes, we see in the root cause of the quarter three an improvement of access to sites. That is what we see versus the beginning of the quarter. By saying so, we see with the, the comments out of uh, October where the infection rates are going up, that some of the customers are now starting to beg off again. Um, and I can, I can make that as a real, as it real, the reality is you have a remote mine site and you had no COVID case. And around you in the country where your mine site is, you are in one of the worst areas in the world. You can imagine that the measurements are quite significant. For example, you leave your country to travel into that mine site. You have to make a test. You come into the country, you have to show that test. If the test is not um, actual enough, they send you back or they put you in a hotel for 14 days. Then you go to the mine site. There you have to make another test if you are not coming out of a trustworthy country, as they call it. And then you have to wait three, four days until you can assess the mine site. Then you assess the mindset and you are very limited in the contact what you are allowed to meet mine people, customer people on the mine side. That is what we see. Are there exceptions? Yes, there are. But the majority works like that. And we join that. We are very cautious too. It's very important. We are very cautious too. And we do everything to help customers and our own people to be COVID-free. So every decision, every activity is actually then getting, how to say, longer, more complex and with less people to realize. That is, that is actually the level how we see it. But there was an improvement over quarter three, but we see now the comments what we get from both industries is getting slightly more negative based on the uh, infection rate uh, development. And to make that clear, they all look into Europe and Europe is really underperforming. And that is for them a warning signal, but because what we hear is what happens in Europe will happen next in my country where I operate. Thanks, sir. Thanks very much. Uh, my next question was, uh, could you just tell us uh, where you are with your um, standardization and modelization strategy? I mean, it means do you have a kind of a timeline when you want to convert of your equipment a bit more modular and standardized and is it more focused on mining 
or is it for the entire group? And, uh, just on that, and maybe if you have like, quantified any savings associated with uh, the strategy. We will not share the savings out of it because that's the underlying uh, cross-margin improvement program what we have ongoing. But what I can say is we have more products in mining based on the industry, based on the total offering what we have than in cement. And we have generally a, a bigger tendency of mining to be standardized than we have in cement. And that lies on the, on the structure of our customers. If you if I may say so, uh, one of the big five mining companies, if they get a crusher, they would like to have exactly the same wear and spare parts on that type of crusher so that their inventory level is the lowest possible. In cement, uh, the majority of our customer group are the local high, which means they have three, four, five cement plants or cement lines, and they are actually more looking into that what they get, they can manage, and their inventory fits to that. So the standardization need in cement is less from the customer side than we see it in mining. We run for modularization and uh, standardization not only to have a lower cost base, we would like to generate what we call forecast to cash faster. That means from a quotation to an order delivery has to go quicker. And standardization makes that significant, uh, significant faster in the moment when you, um, in the moment when you um, customize it which, uh, which immediately puts more risk, more risk on quality, more risk on liability on it, and especially longer timing to get an order into cash. So this whole standardization, modularization will never end. We started a few years ago to focus on it, and it will take quite a while until we are completely uh, standardized through. Uh, experiences out of other industries normally show that you take one to two times the lifetime, average lifetime of your equipment. And that's quite a long time in mining and in cement. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Next, we have Mr. Magnus Kuber from UBS. The floor is yours. Uh, thank you for taking my follow-up. There's two, two different follow-ups, actually. First, on... Um, on the aftermarket side in both mining and cement. Could you follow up Artem's question there? He asked about the, the exit run rate on organic orders we saw in the aftermarket for both mining and cement. Uh, could you share that? The, uh, which run rate? The, I didn't hear the word. Yeah, should we say the order growth in September specifically, should we say? Ah, okay. The, um, um, what we see in the quarter regarding aftermarket is actually a function out of accessibility to the site combined with the production rates. That actually gives uh, a picture. So um, we have um, actually not a big fluctu uh, or a change in that uh, throughout the quarter. It's more or less the same level. Um, on the other side, the talk, the sentiment in mining is significantly more positive than you see it in the figures. And we actually looked into, and I had quite a lot of talks with several mining uh, customers on it. Um, I can bring it like that, that they say, we need that stuff, but not at the moment because we would like to produce quite a lot because the commodity prices are so good. So they... I don't want to say they don't want to get disturbed, but they produce a lot and they have not full manning on their sites. So they don't have the work, um, the work available with additional people as well as they are completely focused on the production. 
whatever they need, they need fast and quick. We have quite a high hit rate of calls and digital contacts to us to avoid that something breaks down and creates a downtime. But overall, from a financial, what we can generate in order intake and in revenue, it's fairly, fairly on the same level throughout the quarter. We don't have a variance in the quarter. Perfect. Super, super. That, that, that's very clear. And, and the second follow-up relates to the, shall we say, right-sizing of the, of the cement business with the makers by strategic change. I mean, any, any color then you can add on the, on the statement in the report. I think you said that uh, we shouldn't see any EBITDA improvement from, from, from these measures. Is that sort of a net impact on the lower volumes versus the savings? Or how should I think about the impact of that? Yes. The, um, of course, important is uh, when you have two industries or more, more than one industry in front of you and they divert so much in the outlook and in the, in the customer behavior, you have to keep uh, accountability uh, clear in the organization. And that is in line with that what we already started in the middle of 18 to have um, before mining and cement were each separated um, and fragmented over three divisions out of the four. So from, from, from that point of view, um, we have a clearer picture on cement and mining and uh, how cost allocation, capital allocation, and so on is. And now with the cement outlook, we have a clear additional pressure to get cost reduced to avoid the ongoing underabsorption, what we already have in the figures. You see that with a negative bottom line that we get that out uh, so that we have a chance to get a positive bottom line next year because we don't see that the business activity will change next year. We don't see that. Okay, okay. so the, the ambition with it is basically to, to um, get, get back to, to break even next year with, with these uh, right-sizing initiatives. I, you know, I can't guide on next year, but a negative EBITDA in a business is not what we like at all. And I know my organization doesn't like it. And that explains maybe some of the fantastic good performance fast on the business improvement program to finalize it earlier and so on. It is a tough work what the guys have to do. And this is not the first time that on top of it. So all respect to that organization. And with that, of course, we, we do everything that we are here coming next year on a positive line. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Thomas. Thank you, Magnus. Thank you very much. We will have the last question from Mr. Arsene from Credit Suisse. Your, the floor is yours. Hi, Mr. Arsene. Thank you very much for taking my follow-ups. Um, uh, the first one is around money, CAC to orders, uh, a very good level. I just wanted to check if there is any catch-up um, impact from uh, week Q2 or if there are any big orders in the quarter. It is actually a good activity level on the, on, the, on the mining side. There is a big demand out in the field. Uh, the reason why uh, we and most likely other premium suppliers too are not uh, getting more revenue in is simply the hesitation, accessibility and so on uh, in, based on the pandemic. From a business environment point of view, it's a good time in mining. There is no... There is no other word to say. We were, uh, some people criticized us or me uh, out of quarter one and then quarter two that I was too positive on mining. We don't think that we are too positive on mining. We give you the real picture of what we hear, what we see. 
production rate as they are today, they can't go on forever without investing. It's not possible. At the same time, we see some of the mine sites running simply out of the commodity. There are new things, new sites have to come online. And then the sustainability, especially water management, tailings management, has, has to get invested. Otherwise, they don't get the permit. So, and that all gives, with combined with a high commodity price level, what we have in iron, in uh, iron ore, in copper, in gold, wherever we look, more or less wherever we look, um, is of course a quite good situation. Sure, and uh, two, two brief last questions, if I may, just on the working capital comments with reversal towards the Q4, uh, could you help with the magnitude scenarios? No, it's the, um, uh, how much we think uh, the networking capital will jump back in quarter four, was the question. So we're not uh, guiding on, on those numbers, yep. but there's no doubt that uh, there's been a lot of focus on uh, networking capital. So, um, you know, there's been some uh, low-hanging fruits. There's also been uh, structural changes, and it, it can't go on. So there will be an, an upward adjustment. Okay, thank you very much. And my last question is around your comment from this call on the system business. I just wanted to check, uh, as far as I'm aware, the business is losing around 150 million euros of free cash flow per annum, which is around a billion of Danish kroner. So just as a theoretical scenario, do you think you have resources to handle that? <laughs> you are, um, yeah. Uh, the reason why I smile a little bit is, of course, the figures are quite public uh, from, from uh, ThyssenKrupp. Um, at first, and that's very important to understand, a business which doesn't, doesn't generate cash is not a business. It's a kind of a charity thing. That is how we see it. So cash focus is very important for us. Shareholder return on all M&A is the one and only measurement what we have. That kills every other idea. And if that can get proven, then we go on to look into. That's very important. Then the third thing, I think we have a significant competence in the company to make restructuring and to improve not so good business. If we look into the relative performance, I take now cement, relative performance of us versus peers, there is nothing where any employee of Effort Schmidt has to be ashamed of. Absolutely nothing against any supplier in the premium part. So we have significant competences to improve business. Last but not least, everything is a cost if you have to do something. And that gets into calculation of shareholder return. And if that is not positive, then we will not go for it. That's actually the only thing what I can say. So what then companies announce or not announce what they sell and how their financial setup is, that's, uh, we make our own uh, view on it and how we would deal with it, what we would do with it, and out of that then making an evaluation about the shareholder return of that possible M&A. That's very helpful. Thank you very much for taking us follow Thank you. Thank you very much. That's the end of our question and answer session. I would like to hand over the session back to the speaker. Please, sir. Thank you very much. I would like to thank all participants in our quarterly announcement, Quarter 3 2020, here out of Copenhagen. Stay safe and hope to see you soon. Bye.